I've been in the mail industry since the 70s. I have this passion to help mailers and to help people understand the power of mail. So that's what we're going to be doing today. And we're going to be especially giving you some help talking to the next generation. Direct mail, the missing piece. The number one growth path for ad agencies over the last the last hundred years is you find a company and you help them grow. So little agency in Boston helped Adidas grow. You know, you find out in Portland, you find Nike. Those kind of things are what ignite your company when you can help your company with the companies that work with you when you can help them grow. How do you help them grow their Cirque? You know, you talk about mail and people say, mail? Are you kidding me? I did a talk in Minneapolis not too long ago and there were mostly under 30 years old people. Most of them had MBAs and not one of them had ever had a course in direct mail and most said we've never had one lecture. Not one lecture. I had a guy from USPS come up to me after I'd given a keynote and he said I was ready to resign. I told my wife last night I was going to resign because I have nothing to say to millennials. And he said, after your speech, I know I have something to offer. That's the kind of, it, it, it keeps me going. And that's the kind of thing that I'm hoping to give to you today. I want to give you a key talking to the next generation to explaining the benefits of mail. My style consultant sent me this this week. 15 years ago, oh, letters, they pile up, it's terrible. Ding, you got mail, yay, I've got email, yeah, not mail, but email. Now, hundreds of emails in your inbox. Yay, oh my gosh, I got a letter. <laughs> How things have changed, and that's true for millennials as well, right? I mean, a couple of years ago, my, my son said to me, oh, dad, you know, because he had a stack of mail. I said, why don't you read your mail? He said, you're such a boomer, nobody reads mail anymore. Well. He learned a lesson about that. Something important came in the mail and he didn't see it right away. So he checks his mail now. <laughs> Learn eventually. Give him enough rope. So what time is it? It's the golden age of mail. I'm not going to talk a lot about digital today because everybody talks about digital. But I'm going to compare just for a second. I got these numbers from Adweek uh, who did a, a, a story on what it cost uh, a, a local florist to do Google uh, ad click-through, you know. And they said it costs $5. Now, I've had t friends tell me if you're if you're in a competitive industry, it can, it can easily cost $10 just per click, okay? Let's think about that a little bit, okay? So it costs you $5 on Google to get someone clicking and showing up at your website. Now, Google says in their, in their literature, in their stats, that 50% of the people that come bounce. What bounce means is they don't click a single link. It doesn't mean that if they click one link that they're going to buy something, but it does say that if they don't click a single link, they're not buying something, and those are just a, a waste. Okay? And 50% bounce. So right away we can think of that as a $10 per engagement cost. So $10 just to get somebody to glance at your website, right? And you say, oh, I'm going to use a landing page instead. Uh, so they go right to the item that I'm promoting on Google. Well, 
Google says if you use a landing page, it's 80% because it narrows the offer. It makes it less likely they'll find something interesting because if they're not interested in that one thing, boom, they're gone. So 80% bounce rate for a landing page, which makes it $25 for engagement. Now, mail, let's say the mailing piece costs a dollar. You can do a fantastic catalog for a dollar, even still these days. And, you know, some people just might, you know, weigh the mail and say, oh, this is, you know, heavy and I don't, I'm not interested. Although, actually, the opposite is probably true. But let's just say, let's say they don't even look, really give it a look. Uh, so we'll give it a 15%. Or maybe they... They know what it is. Maybe they've seen it before and they don't really, you know, they certainly don't open it, but they don't even look at the cover. And so maybe a third of them go in the ma- in the trash. Okay, well, that still keeps it. Yeah, it was a, a dollar a click a few years back, right, David? <laughs> it depends on what you're clicking on, you know, what you're trying to offer. But most of my friends say that $5 number is pretty fair. And I'm happy to, you know, if someone has can prove me wrong, I'm happy to hear about it because... Google clicks is not my thing. But engagement then in mail would cost you $1.18 or $1.54. Even if I'm off by powers of 10, it's still it's still cheaper to do mail, right? Yeah, mostly just price inquiries. More, yeah, do you really get any business? You know, mailers have been getting business for years, getting new customers for years. So I just want you to think about Right? I want you to think about the cost of engagement in digital. Right? That's not talking about advertising. That's talking about interested searchers. Okay? So what's the missing piece? Well, we've been promised that AI is going to solve our problems, that big data is going to solve our problems, that machine learning is going to solve our problems. You know, I've been really puzzled with some of these things. Let's talk first about big data. One of my professor friends said, the bigger your data, the more spurious correlations. What's a spurious correlation? Well, here's a, here's a graph over 10 years of deaths caused by X-ray contrast media correlated with bicyclists killed in collisions with two or three-wheeled motor vehicles. Did, are those causally related? No, not at all. They're just two pieces of data that we could, and it's probably due to the increase in traffic that David Scott saw, no, this is a different kind of traffic. Okay, so they're not related at all, but they will correlate. And if you do AI to help your correlations, you'll find more correlations. You'll find them at a rapid pace. Do they mean anything? Absolutely not. Gartner, about three years ago, said 85% of AI projects fail to even get to return on investment. They never even get tested, much less generate anything. Now, that puzzled me. I literally spent several years thinking about this. Why is it that people are having so much trouble with AI and machine learning when I've been doing it since the mid-90s? Literally 25 years. I thought about it, I thought about it, and I really couldn't figure it out. And then I realized, one of those missing pieces, I'm working with mail. Why does mail give me an advantage, give me... The ability to build thousands and thousands and thousands of successful models when most of the world, especially the marketing world, can't get it off the ground. A big reason is that AI requires, needs a labeled data set. What's a labeled data set, you say? Well, when IBM tried to teach Watson how to play Jeopardy, they had over 100,000 clues that they could test Watson on. When they first tried to do it, 
years before, they only had 500 clues. And the thing was awful. It couldn't play at all. They realized they needed a repository of right answers. Because then they could test their algorithm. They used keywords in the, in the question, or you say the answer. And they used negations. They realized that proper names were different than, than common nouns. That is the kind of thing that they were doing in natural language recognition. But what they could do is tweak that algorithm and see when it got the best match to the human answers that were correct. I talked about TikTok yesterday, just yesterday. And TikTok, a lot of people think, has a, an inconvenient, cumbersome user interface. Unlike Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, where you can just scroll through, you can just zing with your thumb and go through many, 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 many pieces of information. It's very, very easy for the user to navigate. TikTok only serves one piece at a time. And in order to get to the next piece, you have to tell it. Go to the next piece, or you can like it or share it. What does that mean? What it means is, that TikTok was designed to build a labeled data set. TikTok knows what you like and can give you more of it. And that's why their algorithm beats everybody else's. It's not because, it's actually because the user interface is clumsy and hard to use. You say, well, mail, every, that's junk mail. Everybody just throws it in the, in the trash. It just piles up, fills the landfills. It's a terrible thing. That user interface makes mail work. Another area where they're building labeled data sets is self-driving cars. The car identifies the truck, the car, the traffic lights, etc. Let's talk about traffic lights. Here's an actual captcha that I was asked to fill in, and I get asked these a lot because, you know, people don't think I'm human. I'm more like a bot, apparently. But uh, here's traffic lights with lights on them, and here's a some more over here with lights on them. But if the self-driving car comes up tight behind this truck, they might not see those. They might be hidden from view. Why does that matter? Well, if they would see these instead as traffic lights, but why would they think those are traffic lights? There's no light on them. You know, you as a human think, oh, obviously those are traffic lights. Click, 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 right? Well, this is what the self-driving car software uses to identify those other items that we just saw in the last slide. That's how it works. And a human knows this is the backside, but a computer doesn't. That's why you need a human labeled data set. Why does mail help with that? Well, SAPI did a study on neural science and haptics. And they found that your brain has 10 times more touch receptors than vision processing. There's a whole band. Aristotle said that touch was what separated man from the animals. Something to think about. So if you can engage touch, it's a much more powerful experience. Mail delivers 100% engagement. Everybody has to deal with mail. They have to touch it. They have to engage with it. Mail gets delivered. It's not like digital that's just coming at you all the time. It's actually put in your box. You gotta pull it out. You gotta 
handle it, you got to look at it, you got to make a decision, and then you can order, set it aside for later, or throw it out. That's up to you. But we absolutely know that you engaged with it. It doesn't happen on TV, doesn't happen in radio, doesn't happen in digital. We don't know who the audience is. You might not even see it. You might be showing your ads to a bot. Or you're letting Facebook tell you, well, we got this many, we, we showed this many people on their stream. But you don't know who it was, right? You don't know if they noticed it or if it was on the sidebar and they just didn't, you know, and they you don't know if they remembered. Now, I'm not saying there isn't an impact. I'm not saying you don't get sales. You know, people get sales from TV for decades. I'm just saying you don't know the label data set. You don't know who saw it. You don't know who disregarded it. You might know who ordered. But it's that middle piece that's missing from AI, except with mail. Not only that, not only does it come to your house delivered, but there's a guaranteed decision maker. So we had six people in our house for a long time, and, you know, they were mostly grown up. And I can tell you, there was only one person who really threw the mail in the trash. <laughs> you know, you think, oh, anybody can throw it in the trash. Everybody throws it in the trash. No. The household decision maker throws it in the trash. This is an elite capability. My brother was on his computer yesterday, and YouTube was feeding him Disney sing-alongs. And he thought, what the heck is, why is YouTube feeding me that? That's because his daughter was watching Disney you know, she's like seven years old. She's watching Disney videos. You don't know who's watching what, right? We, we, Yeah, we have our own machine, but it might not be working today, or I might be searching for a, a frying pan for my wife because I burned her last one, which I was and did, whatever. But mail engages the decision maker. Think about the difference that brings to this game. That's why I can do this and the AI people can. We also have maximum customer in customer knowledge. We mail to the house and we ship to the house. So no matter what the order method, we still know there was impact. We look at who got mailed and who bought. And we can even sometimes tell pass along. We'll get to that story besides. Yes, we're going to get to the case studies. And no, I don't have, I have some, I'm going to touch on postcards, uh, and, uh, but we're not going to do that today. We're just going to talk about how to talk to people who ought to be doing mail or ought to be doing more mail, okay? So mail delivers a labeled data set. This is a missing piece. I would argue that machine learning in marketing is not possible without mail. It's impossible without mail. Show me I'm wrong. This morning I talked on another case study about AI and how important it is and how to be knowledgeable about your data from Australia. I look over the whole world every day. I never get, I never get quantified case studies on how AI and marketing made money. I don't think I've ever seen one. Why? Because they don't do mail and they don't do labeled data set, and because they don't, it does not work. Prove me wrong. But 
most mailers are not doing all they can with data. Most mailers are not doing the AI. Mail and AI need each other. This is a missing piece in mail. So you say, oh, well, we're not doing mail. Well, then you're not going to get that AI project off the ground. No wonder 85% of them fail. But if you're doing mail, you have the possibility of doing it, but you're probably not. And there's probably a reason. There's two reasons. One, you did a little modeling. You're doing RFM. It's sort of working. You do a little modeling. But it doesn't really tell you anything. If you're doing regression, there's not very many variables. Or you're doing, you're doing AI, full-blown thousand variables, and you don't know what's going on because it's not transparent. I'm not saying every kind of modeling works with mail. We'll get to that in a minute. There's two ways to make money with modeling. One is segmentation and targeting. We tweak the mailing. We do a little better job. We can even grow with that. But that's not how you really grow. That's not how you get explosive growth. Mail with AI uncovers hidden markets. We've got a specific case study on that. And you can take mail plus AI and then use digital and mass media to pour gas on it. And that's another case study that's coming up just in a minute or two. And here they come. First, I want to talk about J. Jill. About a year ago, a little more, Linda Hinsley did a, Heasley did a, uh, a stock call for the investors and said, we plan some shift from direct mail to alternative media options, primarily digital. In hindsight, we moved too much too soon. What does that tell you? It tells you that the millennials who went to grad school, never heard a talk on mail, said, why are we spending all this money? Let's take that budget and throw it all in digital. It also tells you they had no clue what the value of mail was. If your mailers don't know the value of mail, they're going to stop. We worked for a musician's friend every year. Guitar Center said, why are we doing all these catalogs? Why are we spending tens of millions of dollars on catalogs? Well, never mind. It was a half a billion dollar company. Almost all driven by catalogs. we got a case study coming up. Right? And their investors were an equity firm in Dubai, I think. They had no history of mail. More and more of your clients are going to have less and less mail history. You have to help them. You have to engage with them. You have to not only test mail, but push them a little further to see the real explosion. Nordstrom's, about the same time, it was May of 2019, said our results were hurt by stopping our use of direct mail. Eric Nordstrom. The funny part is in both cases, I mean, I went on J. Jill to look for a picture of their catalog. They had cleansed the catalog from history. There was not. I found a picture finally, but it was on some site for where you could write to for free catalogs. J. Jill had expunged the catalog. Nordstrom's took their loyal customers that had been getting coupons in the mail and said, oh, we have their email. We can just send them direct. Save a lot of money. Now, if they understood direct mail even a little, they would have understood that they could have done holdout tests. They could have compared the, the, the responsiveness, the buying downstream of people they mailed to versus people that they pounded with email. And they would have seen that this was a big mistake. 
The fact that they stopped its use shows you that even a massive retailer, world-famous retailer, does not understand mail, does not value mail, doesn't see the power in it. This is important. Talbots, one of the people from Talbots who actually wasn't there when they did it, but was thereafter, came and did a Namoa presentation, and she said, we wanted to attract a younger woman, so we killed the catalog and moved to digital. After two years, we saw it was a huge mistake. Right. Yeah, Uline believes in catalog mailings. Right. I actually have done a flash profile. We're going to get into flash profiles, but I did a whole series of them for Uline. So they've been they're a past client. Okay, so I've been doing turning data into money for 25 years. I've been honing and pioneering in machine learning. I I may have done more models than anyone alive. I don't know. Let's get some numbers. Cabela's told me that compared to their RFM, our very first drop made them 2.4 million more profit, bottom line profit, than they were projecting to make. You know, eh, that's pretty nice. Baseball Express worked with us for a number of years through five different ownership changes. In every case, till the last one, they said, this guy is doing it for us. The first time we they used our model, we, we generated a triple the response rate they'd ever seen from any segment ever. That can happen. But they went from 5 to 50 million a year with our help. And we with their help. Adobe, it's a business-to-business -business mailer, we took their circulation from 500,000 pieces a month to a million pieces a month. Most modelers will tell you, you can pay for our services by cutting the circ. Is that the kind of modeler you want your clients to find? If you're a printer, you don't. If you're a UPS, USPS, you don't. Sorry about that. Horrible, horrible slip there. And at the same time, we increased their, their dollars per piece 74%. Double their circ, took them from a took them from an annualized 25 million to 50 million in about eh, six months. Modeling, mail, knowing what's going on. Musician's friend ran 11 tests unknown to us. The last one we won in a unique test. I'll explain in a minute. In a unique test, 321% over a model that had been created by U.S. US UCLA Professors and Guitar Center. They, we actually found out about it because they said we cheated. No one could win by that much. We win by a lot over and over and over. I'll show you that in one of the later slides. right? Yes, you can because we have a unique process. I'm not going to get into that. There's other good modelers in the world. I'm not saying you have to work with us. These stories and many more like it are in my book, Spinning Straw into Gold, available on Amazon and Kindle. And you just look for Miglosh and you can find it. I'm not going to give you a big pitch on that, but somebody actually bought one from the last, last lecture. Okay. Many of our clients have, have been in slow or no growth mode, and we built ex explosive growth where they could sell divisions or sell their company 
and cash in where they'd been waiting to do that for years. A sales guys, Adobe Studios, Hubert, iStock, and business to consumer, Wyndham Hill, Bullock and Jones, Baseball Express, and Lovesack. Let's talk about Bullock and Jones for a second. Eric Goodwill, who called just the other day, and I met at a DMA in New York City. He's in San Francisco, so we had a long way to come. And he picked a really fancy restaurant. And I was a little nervous, but when the bill came, he grabbed it. I said, Eric, you can't grab that bill. I'm the vendor. He had one of our systems on site. Those were the days when we trusted our clients to run them well. I won't say he ran it well, but he said, John, every time we use your system, we've been testing it for 18 months and comparing it to our RFM, which we've been improving as we learn things from your system. He said, every time we mail, we find 20% greater CERC than we could find with RFM. And your revenue per piece is about 10 times greater in the top cells than we've ever seen before. Eric sold to Saks Fifth Avenue. They grew it to uh, from 21 million down to seven, and then he bought it back. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Pet Edge. This is one of the one of the best stories I have. Again, it's in my book. We'd modeled in the fall. We'd modeled a poodle. You know, we'd modeled dog groomers, and we thought uh, we thought that that was kind of their target. They had dog groomers. They were getting ready for Christmas. The family took their dog into the groomer. So all of them, the, the best customers were high income, high education, high dwelling value, high population density, all that stuff. So we called it the Fifi the Poodle model. They said, man, you did so well. In fact, uh, I think our we generated, they generated like 180000 in profit in their split. We just A-B split that time. And we generated like 250 or something like that. So dramatically better profitability. And the president called me and he said, does that happen often? And I started to say no. And then I thought, you know, it does happen often. <laughs> We've had it happen over and over and over. But anyway, they said, well, why don't you give it another go? Let's do spring. So we got around to the spring and uh, the whole thing flipped. The best customers were low income, low education, Low dwelling value, low population density. I thought the computers were broken. But before I called the client, I said, you know, um, maybe uh, maybe I should try calling a friend out in the, you know, phone a friend out in the country. So I called up and I said, Johnny, do you get your dogs groomed? He had a couple of dogs. He said, no. Then he said, what do you mean groomed? I said, well, you know, doggy haircut. He said, oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I said, why? And he said, well, you know, the weather's warming up and the dog's full of burrs. The dog seems to like it. Do you care how the dog looks? No. I said, where do you get it done? He said, oh, the vet's got a special or the, or the, or the pet store or some other place. You know, they have specials in the spring. I said, thanks, Johnny. Well, it turned out that the dog clipper market, we don't know, but we figure it's about 20 times bigger than the dog groomer market. You know, the dog beauty salon, it's a very select group. So all of a sudden, I presented this to Pet Edge, 
and I said, you know, you ought to do a version to pet stores, pet vendors apart from the salons because there's way more dog owners that get their dog clipped and don't care how they look than there are those that care, you know, that are trying to win best of show or something like that. Well, this was right around uh, one of the big recessions that we've hit and um, they saw 20% growth, never mind they were doing versioning, never mind they grew their circulation, never mind their customer acquisition went, went through the roof. In fact, and they grew the next couple of years. They hadn't really grown in a long time. And uh, I was asked to speak at the Smith Gardner Ma the Mac uh, Order Processing Conference several years in a row. Finally, I asked the president, John. Uh, I said, John, why, why, you know, usually you don't invite speakers back. Why am I getting invited back? He said, your clients grow. Even in recession, the other clients shrink. We sell number of seats. We like what you've got to say, even in recessions. Let's talk about Musician's Friend. Remember I mentioned that one test? Well, they'd done 11 head-to-head -head tests. They'd done tests across the world. Global modeling companies, eight different companies, or, or PhD statisticians or something. We took them right through the 08 recession, 09, without any drop in circulation. I'd like to say we grew them dramatically, that didn't happen, but we didn't cut at all. Zero cuts. And when they're mailing a half a million, you know, a month, they're doing a pretty good job, right? 64 plus pages, those tests were all half a million or better. We had real statistics. In fact, here's one that we tested over and over and over. This is one you need to remember, okay? Focus on this one. Because this is what the investors in Dubai thought. I actually got to meet with one one time. He said, you know, we can't believe you spending tens of millions on these catalogs. I said, here, here's the results. You save a buck, $12 per customer, generated downstream immediately right after the mailing. You, you don't spend a buck, you'll get $12. You spend a buck, you get $22. Here, you save $3, you get $38. You spend $3, you get $60. What do you want to do? It's your choice. Man. They couldn't believe it. I don't think they could believe that we could test it so clearly. We can see the incremental value of mail with your customers. Let's talk about Lovesack. Lovesack is a uh, is a retail store furniture. It's not the best kind of, I mean, consumer furniture. It's not the best kind of direct mail thing. You'd like um, something that's ordered over and over and over, not something you order once and it's promises to be a lifetime <laughs> A life, a lifelong piece of furniture. That's kind of their promise. Uh, so it's like, what in the world good is that? And they hired a new VP of marketing right after they hired us to try to resuscitate a little catalog that they were producing. And the VP of marketing said to me, he was from Package Goods, and he was a young guy, and, you know, this is what's coming, right? And he said, John, our big problem is recognition. Why in the world would we send catalogs to our customers who know what we do when our biggest problem is people don't know what we do shouldn't we take that money and spend it with other you know with others in the digital and they invested a lot in their in their web and they were doing a lot more video and they were really doing some great things 
And most of their growth through the years, they've been around 20 plus years, had been through opening new stores. Well, I said, hey, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. Let's test it. Again, that's what mail gives you. You can test the incremental lift. So we did a holdout test, just like we'd done with Musician's Friend. It was a little more complicated with Lovesack because a lot of their high-end customers had multiple houses. And the first time we did it, it we didn't. It, it's not, you know, you gotta, you gotta. It's there's some, there's more to it than just don't mail a few. Because they tend to be in the worst segments, and then you don't get as, you know, a, a valid result. But anyway. When we did it, we first found out that there was a 300% ROI on the catalog. So the customers that we mailed a book to did 300% more EBITDA down all the way bottom line than the cost of the catalog. So if the catalog cost a buck, it didn't exactly. They were worth $3 of profit, so $10 plus of revenue downstream right after the catalog. As we spent time looking at those matchback results, this happened about a year later, we said, you know, my team came to me and said, you know, there's a lot of next door neighbors that are ordering. He said, he said, what if we put those in the model? And so I called and I said, what if we try that? And he said, well, put it both ways. It was 900%. What was happening and a big driver of their revenue was pass along. How many times have you passed along a digital ad? I'm not saying never. But, you know, you, you get a catalog on a regular basis and someone comes over to dinner and says, hey, what, where'd you get that couch? That's a kind of a cool idea. You know, and the last time I was here, it looked different. It was configured different. You say, yeah, we move it around. It comes apart, puts together. We can, uh, we can change the whole color and fabric and all of it anytime we want. You know, Whoa, that's cool. Yeah, and I got this catalog here. That's what was happening. That's what can happen with mail. So I said, you know, you're making so much money on this mailing stuff that they hadn't been able to get working before that. I said, you're making so darn much money, we should be able to test some other things with it. So we took their main selling premises. They had about four main selling propositions, and we'll do postcards, and we'll drive traffic to your stores, explicitly driving traffic and there was an offer in it I have to say but it wasn't it was it was you know we were basically doing a headline test and we found that one of the headlines out of four was dramatically better way better than all the rest so we focused on that and then we started applying the modeling to prospecting we started with with the city of Houston and uh, we got dramatically good results by 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 just, you know, around the stores, helping people come. Well, then the world changed for us a little bit. Another vendor came in and said, you know, we're pioneering retargeting with mail. And they asked me what I thought of it. And I said, you know, try it, test it. Let's see what happens. Well, we already knew the offer. We knew that mail was very profitable. We knew the offer to use. And they were already doing TV. They already had a beautiful website. So they started doing TV with the offer that we had uncovered with mail. You see the progression here? And digital with the offer we uncovered with mail. And then they would drive them to the website with that key offer. And when they came to the website, then they would 
retarget, they would identify by IP and other things, and they would then send a come-to-the-store offer directly to the consumer. Well, that ignited growth, just took off. And so in one year, they went from 75 million or so up to over 100 million. And this is public information, they've gone public since then. And so this is the progression though. This is the way it's supposed to work. They happen to be in the mail, but not effective, like most mailers. They were switching all into digital. We paused it for a bit, and they're still using mail. I check with that vendor every now and then. They said they're still growing like crazy, and they're still doing mail. And this is, this is the way the pieces fit. But if you don't have mail, you don't have the AI, and if you don't have the AI, and you don't understand what's going on, and you don't have the testing, then you don't know what to say in your digital. You don't know how to maximize the effectiveness. Last fall, we announced an AI ROI 90-day guarantee. We said, okay, you give us your data, and in 90 days, we'll be in the mail with something. This was directly for mailers who are primarily using RFM or some other modeling company. And, and, we, and we, uh, we did it last fall. We did a holiday book, a winter book, and a spring book. And here's how much we, we won on the uniques test, 154%. 199%, remember, nobody can do that 321%, yeah, and 163%. If we would have had a bigger mailer, we probably would have done better. But those aren't bad numbers. Now, this is even more important because this subtracts the cost of the mailing, the cost of the goods, the cost of order processing and overhead, and this shows you the differential. Mailing the way we mailed, 60-some percent, 130%, and... Over 350% net ROI on the AI. So you take the cost of the AI. Let's say the RFM wasn't costing them a dime. Now, that's not true because their IT people still had to do the segmentation and the scoring and the, and the data updating and all that, which we handle. But let's just say that it cost them nothing, which isn't true. In fact, in Musician's Friend, they told us, you do it so much faster and all that you charge us is so much cheaper than what it's costing our IT department to do it. Plus, you actually <laughs> work with us and we come up with cool ideas. But anyway, the, the point is, is that not only does the AI return ROI, but it returns a lot of ROI. So, you think there's two paths to the future. This is what I see in the marketplace. The boomers keep mailing and pray that it doesn't go away. It's going to go away. Why is it going to go away? Because we're not teaching mail anywhere, in any schools, almost nothing. It's not, it's not in the literature. The target marketing just got sold to Adweek or AdAge or somebody, and they haven't updated in a couple of weeks, I think. Uh, it's just going away. Nobody cares. Nobody wants mail. Nobody's beating the drum for mail. <laughs> except the Wisconsin DMA. <laughs> Everybody's going all in on the digital delusion. It seems so easy, so cheap. It isn't. AI plus mail. Mail gets you to AI. And mail plus AI gets you ROI. But most importantly, like that PetEdge example, and there's other examples, 
it gets you insight that can explode your business. I've seen that much more often explosive growth comes from a new business idea rather than tweaking. You won't tweak to greatness. So if you're selling print or selling mail, USPS or a printer, what's the first step? To listen to your customers. What are their challenges? Is it growth? Is it profit? Is it just treading water? Are they losing sleep at night thinking that they're obsolete? Maybe they can't attract any new employees. This helps with all of those things. But I got something you probably haven't seen. We have a couple ways to get started. We obviously, you know, if, if, you, if you're engaged or you are a mailer mailing 100,000 or more pieces at a drop and, you know, your 0 to 12 is, is higher than that or that, uh, we, we should talk about modeling, you know, obviously. Or one printer has, has asked me for a proposal to help coach some of their salespeople. But for USPS, back when they were first starting to sell mail, they hired me to come up with the direct mail developmental profile. And we did a bunch of these things. Uh, Elena Neely and I did this one for SeaWorld, for Anheuser-Busch. Here's one for Circuit City, right? We did Panasonic. We did Oakley. That was a lot of fun. Elaine and I called on Oakley together. Elaine is still around. You can ask her about it. We did, well, they were, were the salespeople for USPS would go out and talk to big companies, national brands, and say, why aren't you doing some mail? And then they would send the answers. We had a survey. They would sit and interview, and they send the answers back to me. And I would think about how they could use mail and they could test and see the value of it. And everybody, I think everybody they, they, they went through this with did some mail. There's some reasons it shut down. It had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do with how well it worked. But the Postal Service can be that way sometimes. They changed all the rules. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a shame. But it's a great idea. And we can do that with you. If you have some specific examples... We can set that up and and formally encourage people to get in the mail. We can also model with mailers. But here's a special offer I want you to consider. that The WDMA, as I said, is maybe the best mail-oriented <laughs> mail-oriented association in the country. So I'm suggesting that you join WDMA, support the work we're doing to energize the mail community and maybe nobody left and if you join today you know one time offer go to wdma.org we will give you a flash profile for one of your clients you don't have to tell us who the client is it's one of the really great things about it it was developed for quad graphics it was developed for their sales force to have something to open the door with on their customers and on their prospects. It was designed to be used from the zip mail tapes so they didn't have to ask the client for data. I would recommend that you ask their permission. But since I don't know who it is anyway, nothing confidential is getting shared. Okay? This is designed for national mailers, national, you know, we we need at least a pretty good size region because it is 
it, it it isn't for like someone who mails just within one city. We can do that too, more like the DMDP, but you know that would have to be more expensive. This is this is, but it's a profile that's unique because it's so easy to understand. I developed it with my kids. I'd say if the blue bar is bigger than the red bar, that's good. Otherwise, it's bad. Where are the good where are the good segments? And the kids got it. Okay, not entirely, but I figure then it's good for an executive overview. So anyway, Quad was testing it. And they went down to one of the biggest catalogers in America, and they and I wasn't allowed to come along. That was one of the other conditions that we had to work within. And I I said just tell them not to say anything. Let's see what happens. So later I followed up with the quad salesperson. She told me I'd been calling on them for five years. I never got outside the purchasing department who always said, give me a lower price, give me a lower price. And I said, well, what happened? She said, all of a sudden, I told them I was bringing in some profile information and it might be interesting. The VP of marketing was there, the director of marketing, circulation director, and their IT guy. She said, we'd never gotten in there before. And I put it up on the screen and I just kept quiet, like you said. And they started talking. They started talking about their customer personas. They started talking about what they've been doing in marketing. They started to see things in the slides that they hadn't seen before. I walked out the door with a commitment to demo bind. That's the that's the quad equivalent of electronic bindery or versioning, we can call it. Different different covers for different areas of the country. And I followed up with with David, their IT guy, down at the catalog, I said, David, what would you think of that whole thing? He said, we never would have believed that a printer could show us things we had never seen ourselves. David had been on the cover of Catalog Success Magazine that month. I was a little nervous because in the article and in his interview, it said, he said, we know, we know all about our customers. We know everything there is to know. What does that mean? It means increased CERC. It means increased segmentation. You know those digital presses you don't know what to do with because half the time the customers don't know what segments of customers they have? That's because they don't have the AI component. This is a start to show them that there are multiple segments, that some segments do way better than others. That's what we're talking about. That's the essence of data analysis. So, two missing pieces. One missing piece is the digital world is trying to do AI without the label data set, without mail. You can't do AI without a label data set, and mail has a baked-in data label data set. I would say marketing AI is impossible without mail. So they should be doing mail. And you should be out selling mail to dot-coms as hard as you possibly can. Second piece, a lot of mailers are just doing what they did 20 years ago, 30 years ago. They're taking their RFM. You can run a company successfully on RFM for a while, but gradually RFM will shrink a company. It's in my book. It's, it's not a surprise.
RFM masks the best customers and it masks the worst customers. And they're mailing both. And gradually they will cut them out. And I could tell you story after story of where that happened. So two missing pieces, mail, AI, put together. Let's work together. Join WDMA. On my LinkedIn profile, there's a link that you can book a time to talk if you just want to talk 15 minutes or something. Happy to do it. You know I, I always am. One printer called me this week, or last week, and said, I'm pitching this company. What could we do if we worked together? And we came up with a little, you know, quick thing. And I said, how'd it go? He said, I think we're going to get them. Because his printing company understands this better than anybody else I know. So go to WDMA and join. Let's work together. I'm looking for four or five print companies. I already have two. Looking for some USPS people that that have imagination like Elena Neely and are willing to are willing to really believe in mail. Have a great day. Get there today. Get over to WDMA today and get your Flash Profile. And I'll do a special course on Flash Profile.